Well, good morning uh, to everyone and uh, just so thankful and excited, just like uh, Pastor Daniel and Laura have been saying. I woke up this morning as well and uh, very happy and excited and looking forward to bringing the word today and, and what God has for us. You know, um, this whole thing about love revolution, uh, I do want to say before I really get into uh, the word that I have is that I love love. I, I'm very romantic at heart as well as is Paul. And, um, you know, I love every month being a month of love, but especially, you know, with February uh, being that month of love, it is uh, amazing, isn't it? Just to be able to think about just going the extra mile to love on those special ones around you. But today, um, one of the reasons why I'm excited is because I'm going to be talking about the part of loving others. And uh, I'm going to really take us on a bit of a journey this morning. I want to start off, I'm going to be sharing some scriptures about loving others. And then I'm, we're going to talk about what that looked like uh, with Jesus. And then I'm going to take it into some points of action at the end. So I hope you're ready. hope you've got your Bibles ready. And um just looking forward to what God is going to do this morning. So I've brought a, a unique title that I felt like God gave me yesterday afternoon, and that is Yes, But. Now that is yes, comma, and then B-U-T. You know, when we are asked all the time the question about loving others and, you know, looking out for others, Sometimes we always seem to find this excuse of yes, but, and you know, and then follows along the excuses. Well, I just want to ask you a few questions today, rhetorical questions for you to really think about. How many of us really have that true revelation of God's love? You see, the truth is that if if we really knew and could understand the vast of how much God really loves us, I truly believe that we would all act very differently. So as I talk today and focusing on loving others, this is where I feel like when you start to read scriptures, this is where I feel like we are so good at the yes but so the first scripture I want to read to you today is in Leviticus. So that's in the Old Testament. And um, I'm going to read from chapter 19, verse 18. And uh, I've chosen Amplified. Now, I choose Amplified because in studying the word, I mean, I use lots of different translations, but in studying the word and really sharing the meaning of a word, I love uh, the Amplified. So the scripture in Leviticus 19, 18 says, you shall not take revenge nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor. And if you look, if you're reading in the Amplified, neighbor is your acquaintance, your associate, your companion, your friend, as yourself, for I am the Lord. Now, we've already been hearing about loving ourselves is a commandment of God. So I'm not going to be getting much into that. But I do want you to recognize that when we do share a bit more of the word here in a little bit, you will see that it is imperative that you love yourself in order to be able to love others the way that God wants us to love them. Now, there's a Hebrew word 
for neighbor, which is actually, I'm I'm sure I'm not going to pronounce this right, but it's plesion, which is P-L-E-S-I-O-N, which means friend or any person. So basically what it's saying is that's everyone. That means there's no exception of who you ought to love. We are called to love everyone. So who are we talking about? Examples, the argumentative family member who's always causing issues, the friendly man at the shop, the frustrating lady who may live down the street or next door to you, the sweet child in another country or even here who might be suffering, the person who voted differently than you. You see, all of these things talk about the example of what kind of people that we are talking about when we say love your neighbor. So really, when I say love your neighbor, you need to think about, we tend to think about the person next door. Well, it's not just the person next door. Your neighbor is anyone, anyone you know outside of yourself that's around you close or far away. It is still your neighbor to love. Now, I want to give you just a couple of uh, examples, just to start off with a couple of really short stories about what can happen when you reach out and love on your neighbors, your actual neighbors that are around you. So uh, many of you have been writing and asking me for the, you know, at, at an absolute snow blizzard hit the state of Texas and in my, all of my home area. It was absolutely um, completely unexpected to wake up to over a foot of snow and uh, something that in Texas we're, we're not really used to. We do have snow, but definitely nothing like that. And then it just kept snowing and kept snowing to the point that, you know, most, uh, uh, well, I would say uh, most everyone lost power, uh, lost people, didn't have gas, they didn't have access to water. So it was quite bad. And um, my parents, um, who live there, you obviously know, they're on up in years. And um, my dad had just come home from the hospital the day that they woke up the next day full of snow. Now, I'll tell you something now. My dad loves his, his neighbors. He is always, those of you that know my father know he's always talking to everybody. So in Texas, it's already anything, anyway, a thing where you're out, if you're mowing your lawn or you're working out in the garden or you're doing things outside, you know, people speak, they talk to each other. How are you getting on? And, you know, neighbors will often go to one another and welcome people in. And then, of course, when you live in a neighborhood like my parents, it's a neighborhood where people have lived there for a very long time. And it is rare that, you know, there's a constant changing of people. And uh, because my dad has always been so loving and friendly and reaching out to his neighbors, well, I want to tell you that um, I was concerned because my dad was still on oxygen at home and being without power and, and just recovering from pneumonia, well, you get the picture. That's not exactly the best place to be in with your when you're sitting in a house where um, it was absolutely freezing and they could see their breath when they were breathing. And to sit in that day in and day night at night. And he sat that day. My mom and, and him were like that for five days. 
five days. Now, here's the best part of this story that I think. Uh, yes, they are doing well. They got power on, I believe it was late Friday night or early Saturday morning. But here was the amazing thing that happened to them. Because of the way that my dad has always been with his neighbors, when they realized what had happened, they, the neighbor across the street started cooking for my parents and delivering hot meals every day so that they would not go hungry um, because they were able to go outside and cook on the grill and do things. And so they brought food to them. Then the neighbor next door, when he realized that they had a generator, he was constantly checking the levels of the petrol in it to make sure it always had petrol. Now, the reason I share that with you is because, you see, when we reach out to our actual neighbors and when we love on them, even Paul and I, our very own next door neighbors, uh, we are constantly interacting with them and talking with them and sharing back and forth. Obviously, not so much right now, but we do look out for each other. So, you know, these are the things that, you know, when you are doing this with your neighbors, it's amazing how when in your time of need, then that comes back to you. So uh, just another quick example, uh, my daughter, when, when she was, they were looking for a generator for my parents. So she's a UPS driver. It was frantic, as you can imagine. Everybody's running around the shops trying to buy everything up. And listen to this. So, so my daughter is known all over the city to be the UPS driver that every time she shows up, she's laughing, talking, saying hello, loving on them. And, you know, they she's got that, you know, good old Texas draw and they're always loving when she shows up. Well, listen to this. She delivers to a lot of businesses. That's been her route lately. And uh, one of those businesses, which is Home Depot, where they have um, the generators that they were looking for, she rang up to see if they could reserve one so that they could go into town and pick one up for my parents. And can you believe it? Uh, the lady who answered the phone, um, they recognized each other's voices and they soon realized, she said, oh, are you, you are a UPS driver that always comes in and is so happy all the time and always speaking to us. And Angelica said, yes, that's me. Is this so-and-so? Well, in the end, what happened was she immediately sorted Angelica out, set a generator aside, and, and they were able to get that for mom and dad. This is, these are just a few examples of showing you what happens when we do reach out and love on others, even at times when we might feel like that it's not necessary or when we feel like that it's way too difficult. Now, in 1 John, I'm going to read a few more scripture. In 1 John 4, 19 through 20, it says, we love him because he first loved us. And if anyone says, I love God, but hates or detests or abominates his brother, in Christ. He is a liar for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Now, don't throw tomatoes and stones and eggs at me today because this is the scripture. The scripture is saying this to us. Uh, this one I love. First Peter 4 chapter 8. Above all, have fervent and unfailing love for one another. You know, love, when you really think about it, love is actually spiritual warfare. And I'm going to go into that right now, but I'm going to give you a little example. When you are on the attack 
instead of under attack. The scripture says to have fervent love for one another. What does fervent mean? It means to be hot or to boil. Our love walk needs to be hot and on fire for God. And so you see, when we have a love that is red hot and on fire for God, I love this. Just as we say in Texas, we become too hot to handle. Well, the reason I like that is because that means that Satan can't touch us. And you know why you say, well, why is this? Because when you live in obedience to the word and loving others fervently, which means hot and on fire, Satan will have to steer clear. I love that. Become so hot, which means that you love others so fervently and you're so on fire for the way that you love and reach out to others. Satan doesn't know what to do with you because it annoys him. And so when we hear this word and it says that when we do that, this is where we're going to see and we need to be obedient to the word. I mean, like I say, throw at me all you want, but remember, it's important that you recognize that we must obey the word of God. Now, the scripture in 1 Peter 4.10, we have all been given special gifts, a special talent so graciously given by God. Now, we are supposed to use this in serving one another. Now, the reason that I think this is so key is because when we use that to serve one another, just as I was showing you what happened with my parents and with my daughter, these you begin to see amazing results. Now, the other scripture, Proverbs 10, verse 12, hatred stirs up strife, but love, come on, say that with me, love covers and overwhelms all transgressions. What does that mean? It means that it we forgive and we overlook faults. We forgive and we overlook each other's faults. Because listen, you know, when people say to me, oh, well, you just need to see, you have no idea the way that they act and the way that the, the things that they're saying. Have you ever asked yourself sometimes, what about the way you act at times? What about the way I act at times? What about the words that I use? Sometimes we are so quick to always talk about way everybody else is acting, the way everybody else is talking, but we never stop to think that we need to take a good old look in the mirror. Take a look at yourself in the mirror and recognize that you too have faults. I have faults. And so I need to understand that with those faults, I need to also work on those. I need to not be so worrying about what everybody else's faults are. I'm still called to love them and to love them as God loves them. And I'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. First Corinthians 13 verse two says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, listen, if you have all those things, you know, I know people who love to boast, oh, I'm a prophet of God. I'm a pastor. I'm, you know, I'm this, I'm that. But look at this. You can have all of that. But if you have love, if you do not have love, you have, well, the scripture says it, nothing. If you do not have love, you have nothing. Why do we think that so many times 
It has been us as Christians that have stood in the way of other people giving their lives to the Lord, not because of the fact that they had something against God, but because when sometimes they see us in the way that we are, and because we're so boastful of all the things that we can do, it doesn't really matter. You can get up. I can do right now what I'm doing. I can, you know, preach God's word, but then I could go out and act like the devil. I could be mean and horrible to people around me. So what to what good is that? So I tell you something right now, without love, you are nothing. So forget about boasting about all the stuff that you can do and all the gifts and talents that you have. When you don't show love, people are not interested. They are not interested because they want to know, can you still love them? Because listen, I don't care what anyone says. We are called to love the sinner. But of course, we hate the sin. Never, ever mix the two. I think the big thing that sometimes happens with us is we are very quick to hate the sinner. And instead of recognizing, yeah, I hate sin. I do not want to see sin going on. I don't want to see my neighbors and people around me, you know, doing wrong things. But I'm called to love them. And you know what? I'm going to share in just a little bit about changing our way of thinking and the way we see people in order to love them back to God instead of worrying about what they are doing. You see, don't be fooled. You cannot boast of your spirituality and not show love. You cannot boast of how much you do this or get out and witness and you read your Bible and you pray 24-7, but you don't show love. Because if you don't, then you're just like a tinkling symbol, as the scripture says, and no one's interested in listening to a tinkling symbol. Well, I want to paraphrase a little bit about what did Jesus do? You know, so many times when we think about, oh, well, I could never go and talk to them. Shameful what they're doing. Shameful the way that they are acting. Well, listen, Jesus shows us a very good example of what did Jesus do, all right? Now, I'm going to paraphrase this. I've asked the team not to put this up because there's several scriptures, but if you want to follow along in the story, I'm going to talk about the woman at the well, and I'm going to be uh, paraphrasing in John chapter 4, starting with verses 3 to 30. Now, remember, I did say I'm going to paraphrase, so I'm not going to read every scripture, but I just want to give you some highlights about what did Jesus do? Well, first of all, it says, when he left Judea and started back to Galilee, he had to go through Samaria. Now, listen, Samaria was not a very good place. It was it was actually the, the place that they called a strange place. They called it the half-breed place. In actual fact, it was a place that they said that really you shouldn't even visit there if you're well brought up. Now, all of us know that there are sections of town, even right here in Portsmouth, that we wouldn't really go visit maybe because it might be dangerous or it might be a place that we need to be really careful where we go. But 2,000 years ago, that place was Samaria. But you know what? Jesus went through it because Jesus wanted us to know that he went to the places that are off limits. And when he got there, he came 
to a city, and, and, and this is where it says he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar near the plot of ground that, jo that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Now, while he was there at Jacob's well, imagine this. Jesus is tired. He's tired with his journey. And he's sitting by the well and it's about noon. So you can imagine. I mean, some people say, oh, can you imagine Jesus being tired? Well, uh, you say, oh, well, he's the son of God. Well, how can he be tired? Well, remember, Jesus did show us what it means to be truly human and what it means to be truly God. So Jesus is both. So Jesus is human and he's God. So this means that no matter what we ever feel in life, Jesus has felt it before us. And I think if you could even get a revelation of that, whatever you're going through, it doesn't matter. You don't even need to tell me. I can respond to tell you Jesus has felt that before you felt it. He knows us. He knows when we're dead tired and when we don't feel like doing anything. And sometimes we get tired of our journey and we get tired of all the stuff that we're trying to do. But listen to this. A Samaritan woman came to that well to draw water and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Now I'm on about verse eight. Now his disciples had gone off to the city. They're off trying to find food. And the Samaritan woman has said to him, how is it that you who are a Jew are asking me for a drink, a woman from Samaria? Because you see, really back then, Jews did not share things in common with the Samaritans. And Jews really weren't supposed to be speaking to the Samaritans. And they definitely were not supposed to be eating or drinking with them. So it would have been it would have been uh, recognized as something very unclean. So uh, for the example of uh, I'll give you a, a little uh, tip example here the, for the proper Jewish man to drink with a Samaritan would be like us going down to some, uh, you know, down, someone down on the streets who's begging and who has a, a bottle of maybe wine or beer in a bag and asking him for a drink. I mean, that, you wouldn't think of doing that, would you? But this is this is the kind of, of people that, that this is the way it was with the Jewish and the Samaritans. Men weren't even supposed to mingle with women in that culture. And, and I don't mean co-mingle. I mean mingle like they weren't supposed to be sharing or exchanging common exchanges of talking to one another. But Jesus broke those rules. Jesus respected women. Jesus respected women so much that he was able to share his ordinary need with them and shared his thirst. And then Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, sir, but you have no bucket and the well is deep. And then it goes on to talk about how that we're the living water. Isn't all water living? Well, no, not really, because um, all of us have seen the opposite of living water and dead water. So I'd say the opposite of living water would be dead water, wouldn't it? So there is some water that is absolutely dead. And some people do continue to drink from that well, which uh, is a whole nother sermon in itself. But I'll give you an example. You know, what is dead water is, is just a few examples. Well, dead water is maybe you watching the same thing every night and, you know, getting upset and watching things that you know you shouldn't be. Uh, dead water is the thing that you argue, the same argument every day with people around you instead of showing that love. And, you know, uh, 
persisting in habits that you know you need to break and let go of, um, things that you know might kill you one day. This is dead water, dead water of something that we need to recognize that we don't need to continue partaking of. Um, and it will still, you know, leave you crying out for more anyway. Now, Jesus went on to say to her that anyone who drinks of this water will never be thirsty again and that the water that he was going to give her would be eternal life. Now, when you think about this and she decides, oh, yes, she wants this water now. And then you go on to read the scripture where it talks about her husbands and and what Jesus said to her about um, her husbands. And notice that it said prophets know they you know, prophets know things, but they still love people anyway. And so Jesus was showing her the love and showing her that the time was going to come, the time for her to worship the Father and that the hour was coming. But, you know, as, as we go on and we look towards the end of the scripture, true worship has to do with the fact that it's in spirit and with truth. And if you really want to worship God, you have to be willing to enter the realm of the spirit and entering the realm of the spirit is you're showing love and loving one another. And no matter where you are from, no matter what country, what background you came from, it doesn't matter where you were born, uh, whatever happened in your past, you are still that person that God loves. And sometimes the problem is Jesus has forgiven us of the past but we haven't forgiven ourselves and we keep bringing it up. And don't you realize how many times that Jesus would want us to say, let's put it under the blood and let's let it go so that we can learn to love ourselves and love ourselves as Jesus loves us. And you know, when we begin to get that revelation and we show that revelation to others, we begin to recognize that he is the giver of life not only for others, but he is the giver of life to me. He is my living water. He is my spirit and my truth and my way and my life. Why would I want anything else? And I hear Jesus speaking to you right now. If you have, have ears to hear right now, um, recognize that Jesus is wherever you are and he loves you for who you are. Stop putting the yes buts in there and let it go and let God show you a true revelation of his love so that you too can begin to love others as he wants you to show love to them. Now, you know, if you go on and read that story, I'll tell you it's very amazing because the disciples actually came back. They were upset with Jesus because he had been interacting and talking to the Samaritan woman. And, you know, the, the miracle about this whole story is she goes back and she shares this amazing testimony. And this is the part I really want to get into. You see, when you are so in love with Jesus and you've had a revelation from God and you begin to see how that Jesus is our living water, you begin to share your story. And when people begin to hear your story and your testimony, people will begin to recognize the truth. And then they will begin to re realize that they want some of what we have because we can show how much we have changed. Sometimes we're so focused on our bad testimony and about all that we've come through. You know what? You're not the only one. 
You're not the only one that has gone through the junk that you've gone through, but you need to let it go and put it under the blood and let God love you and be able to use you so that you can share that story with others and how others can change and turn their lives around. And, you know, I love the fact that when we learn to do this, I want to tell you something really incredible that you need to be thinking about. Right now, we are in a world where people are trying out so many things. People that are not saved, that are not going to church. There is things going on right now that all of us would want to crawl under the sheets in our bed and say, my God, my God, what is happening? Well, if you read the book of Revelation, you would recognize that this is supposed to happen. But there's one thing that I believe God is looking for in us. We as Christians need to be the ones that are unshakable, unmovable. We are the ones that need to be stable because I'll tell you this, when the day comes that perhaps those guys that are not serving the Lord Jesus Christ have tried all that they know to try and they still then recognize that they need hope. They are going to run to those of us that are stable and unshakable and unmovable. You see, when they quit and realize that they need help, they're going to run to those of us that can give them hope because they will see that we are built on the solid rock. And they are going to see that we are the ones that will still show them love and still reach out to them that they understand that God loves them and wants to change them. You know, I'll be honest with you. I think so many of us have become so desensitized to the world around us. We don't even notice the evil. Sometimes the way people are treating each other and the way that people are going on, we are so busy about ourselves and promoting ourselves and who we are and what we can do. But we need to be about the Father's business. And this is a, a probably some kind of a thing where people would say, yes, but. Uh, you know, of course we need to reach out to the helpless. Of course we need to reach out and try to feed the hungry and do what we can. But I want you to know this. We need to be reaching the lost. Are we sometimes doing good things just to show how good we are as opposed to really reaching the lost? Listen, I love the great things that we all do, even at the church that we do to reach out to others. But if we are not sharing the gospel, if we are not reaching out to them and sharing with them about God's love so that they may come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, sometimes all it does is show up as us doing good works. We need to be proactive in inviting people to come along to virtual coffees to where we can meet up chat with them, share with them about God's word and share God's love. We need to at least reach out and build relationships with them in spite of the, the way that they are and, and what they are doing. You know, even our social media, we love using our social media to promote ourselves. But what are we doing to use our social media to win the lost? What does our example look like? on social media. Sometimes the language that we use, some of us should be ashamed of ourselves, some of the language that we use, some of the ways that we talk about 
things around us and the, the stuff that is going on. Listen, I don't know about you. I live in the same world you live. The world we're living in right now is upside down. And of course, I don't love everything that's going on, but I know the end to the story. And I believe that if God wants anything right now, he wants us to reach out and show others that God still loves them, that there is still hope for them. When is the last time you used your social media to share the word, to share an invite, even to these broadcasts to come along and watch? When is the last time that you had a real burden to get down on your knees and instead of praying for yourself, praying and calling out for the lost souls out there who still don't know who Jesus are? When is the last time that you actually looked and saw the sin in this world and realized that if you don't stand in the gap, who will? If you don't stand in the gap, who will do that? And I can hear many of us perhaps still saying, yes, but, yes, but. Well, I want to challenge you. Let's change that to yes, let's go. Yes, let's do it. Yes, I am ready. How many times do we see or view people as sinners that they're irritating or they're living a lifestyle that we don't approve of, or maybe we even see them as perhaps only what can they do for us, or we don't really look beyond. Listen, you have got to learn. I have to learn. Look beyond the sin. See people as becoming potential disciples that will be shaped and strengthened that will be that the lost will become converted Christians ready to become disciples. This is what we should be doing. When you see your neighbor, your friend, that person you know, that person in the shop, that person when you're out on the road, that whoever it is, when you see them on social media, when you talk about loving others, what you should be doing is seeing them Thank God I see you as a potential disciple of serving Christ. I see you as someone who's going to fall down on your knees and call out to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will do that by showing love, not just your words, show love. You know, as we say in Texas, walk the walk, don't just talk the talk. We want to see people walking the walk. We want to see people who see what is truly going on around us. Stop just trying to be the Christian on Sunday who just listens to the message and then you go away worried about, did they give you a good enough word to fill your belly? And, and is it enough to carry you on through? Well, listen, we're called to be Christians Monday to Saturday, not just Sunday. We must take what we've learned and we need to ask God, how can we go away and apply that? Not only that, when you yourself need to be getting in the word and praying and stop relying on everyone else to do that for you. And, you know, I love something Pastor Daniel said uh, in our staff, uh, I believe it was about a week ago, that Sundays is not where I get just my word to feed me for the week. It's my overflow. 
I get every day I'm in the word. Every day I am praying. Every day I am seeking God. Lord, what are you saying in this season right now? We're so worried about getting back into the building, which yes, we miss that. Truly, we miss being in the building. We miss being with you guys. But what are you doing right now? We need to rise up out of our muck and our pity and recognize that we have the Lord Jesus Christ on our side. And we need to see ourselves right where we are as a person who is called to influence and reach the lost in this world. You know, I I just want to say, just bear with me a few more minutes. Many of us have lost golden opportunities for discipleship and for mission in our everyday life just by showing up and loving the people around us and living the life that God has called us to live. So many times we are too worried about what what's in it for me or what should I be doing as opposed to, Lord, what are you saying to me right now? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to share the word today? What is the word in season today that you want me to reach out and share? And you know, when we begin to do that, you will soon begin to recognize that everyone around you is your mission field. Listen, I'm a missionary at heart. And, you know, lately I've been reading a lot and studying all about frontline uh, ministry. And I'm going to just quickly explain that in a minute. I've been doing an amazing weekly training with Pastor Daniel online with lots of other leaders and pastors around the world where that we're talking about multiplication and reaching the lost. And, you know, from the time I was seven years old, I used to go door to door witnessing and I was out talking to people about Jesus, inviting people to our tent meetings. Everywhere I went, I had tracks in my bag. I had tracks in my hand ready to share with people about the love of Christ. And I remember growing up as that being a norm in my life and then continued on doing that. But I see that lately I have begun to recognize that I have fallen back a bit from that. And I became very convicted. I even shared with Pastor Daniel that I was under a lot of conviction last week to the point that it, and, I, and I'm going to try to do this without tears in my eyes right now, about bringing myself to recognize how many people right now have gone to hell since I took a step back and wasn't doing what I was called to do. How many of those around you have been lost to hell or on their way there because we're so worried about us and instead of us reaching out to them? And you say to me, Pastor Wynell, what is frontline ministry? I'll tell you, it's a very simple response. And it's for everyone listening to me right now. Where you are working, where you are living, who you come in contact with, that is your front line. You know, I hear so many people say to me, oh, I just need to get out there on the front line on the mission field. You're on it. You're on the front line. You're on the front line right now with all those around you where you have influence. That is your front line. And you know what? The reason it is your front line is because that is where you have influence. And you are called to be the influence right there where you are. The exciting thing about that means that everyone who is listening to me right now, you have a different front line from my front line. You have a different circle of influence. 
Every one of us have a circle of influence. Every one of us have a whole uh, diverse web of relationships and people around us. Every one of us have different set of gifts and things that we can do. But what I can tell you is you are the person called on that front line to minister to those people right where you are and show them love and show them the Lord Jesus Christ. And you say to me, how can I do that? You need to start right now praying and asking God for creative ways and how that you can reach your frontline people. You need to be in constant prayer and ask the Lord to help you recognize the different personalities that are around you, the relationships that you have with people, the skills and what you're dealing with. And I listen, if you ask God for creative ideas on how to reach out to them, he will give them to you. He will show them to you. And um, today I'm just going to give you a big challenge as I start to bring this to a close. And I want to just quickly explain this challenge. And, and um, you know, um, I want to hear, I don't want to hear yes, but. I want to hear yes, I'm ready. Before you even hear my challenge, I want you to put in the chat, Yes, I'm ready. I want you to say it out loud to the people around you. Yes, I'm ready. Let's do this. Come on. I want to see everybody before I even give this challenge. I want you writing in that chat. I'm ready. Let's do this. I'm ready for the challenge. I'm up for the challenge. I am the frontline minister to reach out to all of those in front of me and around me so that I can begin to win the lost. So, I'm loving it. I'm loving and hoping that the chat is filling up right now with people saying this. So here's what I'm going to share with you. First of all, I'll share with you a little bit more about some details, but I'm going to give you a real tangible something of a challenge that you can do. And I'm going to give you two parts to this. First of all, uh, don't worry. I've already spoken to Pastor Daniel about this. I never do anything without talking to Pastor Daniel or to SLT to make sure we're on the same page. But from our multiplication training, we have been learning and brainstorming to a lot about being much more intentional about how we're going to reach the lost and make disciples. Well, you know, we have life groups. And, you know, we have life groups that do life together and we're there for each other and we pray for one another. We even have fun with one another. But I'm going to challenge you to get involved in a different kind of a group. And I'm going to share quickly and then later we'll bring out the more details for you to get involved. But we're going to start off with a new kind of group called Discover. And this is mainly for seekers, for baby or young Christians. But this one is going to be open to those of you that are seasoned Christians as long as you recognize that this is not just a Bible study where you're going to come and learn, the purpose of it is to reach the lost and you're going to learn a very creative way to do that. And then we are going to challenge you to go and start your own discover group to invite seekers and those around you on your front line to be a part. This is not about you becoming a leader or an E3 member. It has nothing to do with that. This is about training the saved and saving the lost so that when we get into this discovered group, we will be able to reach out to those on frontline ministry. It's a simple app. And if you don't want to use the app, we'll send you the, uh, the booklet for it. 
And basically, we're going to start and just study from the creation to Christ. And we're going to do a simple thing. We're going to, number one, we're going to read a scripture passage. We've got a, a plan to follow. And this has been going on across the world. I wish I had time to give you amazing stats of churches uh, and groups that have birthed out of this and the lost being one. So we're going to, number one, read scripture. Then we're going to discuss a few questions just about that scripture. And then we're going to pray strategically for the lost and for those right there who are still seeking. Then we're going to each identify an action that we're going to take that week as a result of the passage that we've studied using statements like, I will. And finally, we're going to all be thinking of who can we go and share that passage from that week or that story with throughout the week. And once we finish that, we then are going to be encouraging those of you to go out and start your own Discover group in the exact same way, using the exact same format so that you can invite people on your front line. You know, the whole thing is about this. Pray and then going and inviting and spreading the news and then calling, which means bring them in and then growing, which is our studies each week and then sending where you go and start your own by replicating. And those who, for example, will replicate from the one I start, will I will be able to mentor and help them to be available and you will do the same and go and replicate so that you can do it. And this is the first one's going to start off with a max of 12. We'll put the details out there of the time and the day. We're going to try to avoid evenings to try to offer some different ones. We'll probably eventually have staff and others doing it as well. But I want to hear from you. If you definitely are interested in this, you can write me personally. You can write the chat or whatever. But if you're ready to do this and be trained to reach the loss, I'm giving you a very easy and tangible way that you can do that. And above all, the second part to this challenge is to love others to and, and to ask God today to start changing your heart right here, right now. And this is the scripture that I'm going to close with in Matthew 22, verse 36 to 39. Listen to this. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, that is, unselfishly seek the best or hire good for others. I challenge you today as I close, if you want to be a part of this Discover group, I'm going to be starting the first one, and I'm looking for the 12 that are ready to reach the lost. You're ready to get out there on your frontline ministry. I am believing, along with Pastor Daniel and SLT and all of our staff and leaders, that this is going to revolutionize our city of Portsmouth and our church as we begin to be so intentional about reaching the lost and reaching out and evangelizing, and no excuse because it'll be so simple that you can do. But above all today, I challenge you, get a revelation of the love of God in your heart for how much God loves you and stop looking at the sinner as a sinner and see him as a disciple becoming converted to Christ. See them as people that are about to rise up and turn this city upside down for Jesus. 
Pray with me right now. Father God, I thank you, Lord God, that the same spirit that I am sharing this message is because it's the passion in me, Lord God. It's the conviction that you've raised in me, Father God, to get way more intentional about loving others and showing others the love of Christ. Lord, it's about me stepping up and forgetting saying yes, but, and turning my yes, but into yes, let's do this. Yes, I'm ready. When can we start? Lord, now is as good a time as any, Lord God. It doesn't matter what announcement's going to come tomorrow or whatever's going to happen next week, Father God. The lost are still there and they still need to be reached. And Father, I pray that you challenge every single person listening now and in the future that they will be so challenged, Lord God, that they won't be able to sleep without waking up and pondering on what they can do to reach those in their front line, Father God. Lord, I pray for conviction right now like never before. Lord, I pray for convicted hearts. And Lord, I'm believing that City Life Church and its people are going to turn this city upside down with evangelism and discipleship and mission strategy, Father God. Lord, we don't need another program. We don't need another activity, Lord. What we need is you, Lord Jesus, to use us to show love to one another. And Lord, I thank you and I praise you for what you're going to do after this meeting today, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord God, for the stirring up of people's hearts. And we give you praise for that in your name. Amen and amen. May God richly bless you. Back to the team.